Welcome into a quick timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you haven't seen Dr. Dish Basketball, their site and the blog, you're really missing out on some great resources there. There are some individual, small group, team shooting drills for you to use with your players. Just click on the blog from the drop down menu to find those. And then also be on the lookout for some new resources that are on the way there on the website, as well as on the Dr. Dish Instagram and TikTok accounts. Again, that's drdishbasketball.com. Whether it's from PJC basketball, the hardwood hustle, or blue collar basketball, I'm sure many of you are familiar with our guest. Joining us today is Coach Sam Allen. Coach, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk hoops. You're someone that I've had in mind for a while now to have on the show. I was looking for the right topic. You're one of those people I want to make sure that I get instead of just coming on and just chopping it up, talk about something that's that's specific. And today's I saw actually the topic. I saw something on Twitter just a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, man, he would be great for that. Uh, before I get to that question, for someone maybe who doesn't know exactly what you do or the extent of what you do, can you kind of explain to them in particular with like Blue Collar and then also PGC, and then we'll get into things from there? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, my background is, you know, I played high school and college ball, then right out of college when I got done playing, I coached in college for 10 years. And uh, I've got three kids, 12, 10, and 5. My, my boys are 12 and 10. And when um, my wife, Sarah, was pregnant with our second one, I'd always had a dream. Actually, when I was in grad school, I wrote out a kind of a business plan to start my own player development company and organization one day. Never thought I'd have the courage to do it. Uh, so, But actually did. I left college coaching, moved back to Atlanta, where I'm from, and now currently live. I started blue-collar basketball. We do a lot of training, individual, small group, work with high school, college teams year round uh, from really college, high school, all the way down to the youth space. And naturally, I never had a real strong interest in youth basketball until my kids got to playing. And so I've been in that space along with continued to work at the higher levels um, over the last few years with youth basketball. Uh, so that's that's everything BCB related. Uh, one other kind of note is we, we were, I was, did an NCAA recruiting service for a few years. So I had that experience as well. And then back, uh, shortly after starting BCB, Tony, I, uh, went to a PGC point guard college camp who good friend of mine, one of my best friends and probably mutual friend is TJ Rosine. And he had invited me to come down and TJ and I coached together. We're college teammates. You know, he's now been a very successful college coach but he said hey i got this great idea i want you to come down to emory university and and be a volunteer you know staff member and i start a business keep in mind i always joke about this but uh i had no income because i'm starting a business got two young kids under 24 months old my wife's staying at home and i said honey i got a great idea i'm gonna go volunteer work for an entire week for free they're not gonna even pay me and um I joke about that, but like it was a point of contention. Uh, but that one week of investment that I did, and I, and maybe there's a young coach out there listening, like go take that GA job, go work that camp, go spend a week, you know, following around a coach who you could learn from the, you know, the right way. And so that one week at PGC, little did I know what it would evolve and expand into. So like, you know, now I, uh, been a director for PGC for our sum, those summer camps that we run, which are the best in the world. Um, I, I say that with confidence, hopefully not arrogance. And um, 
And then we've, in the last couple of years, we started, which I think you're aware of, Key 5 Coaching, which we rebrand to PGC Coaching. Our whole design there is to help serve coaches, right? And we, we help coaches from youth, high school, travel, college, pro coaches, you know, how to be a better coach. And how does a coach improve right now? They listen to your podcast. They go on YouTube. They pull out some clinic notes. We wanted to create something that was a hub where a coach could go to for their whole development, not just get X's and O's, but get culture and leadership, how to become a better teacher, network with other like-minded coaches. So that's what is now today PGC coaching. The player training has expanded to, I think, people that are in it for the right reasons. Instead of just player development, it really has become person development. And with someone with your experiences of having been a coach, having been a player, for a lot of trainers, especially young trainers, like that's their experience right now is they played college ball. They maybe coached a little bit. And so the emphasis and the focus a lot of times is on those physical skills. But I think as you get older and for me as a parent, I'm a few years behind you and I have three children as well. But my perspective as a coach has changed as well. And even how I use sports to use that as a platform to help them develop as a person has become a priority for me. And that's even changed the way that I've viewed coaching the college kids that I'm coaching right now. And in those first five years for me, when I didn't get paid, um, a lot of it was player development and skills and making them better basketball players. But with that different perspective now, you're going to answer these questions differently than probably if I had just asked you having been just a player or done a little bit of coaching. And the tweet that I was referring to that I saw earlier alluded to basically the idea of when you coach, if we're really investing in those those players for the long term, how do you balance the coaching to win versus coaching for development? And when I say that, I know most of us aren't thinking that those things, I, I use versus, but those things aren't mutually exclusive. They're not necessarily against each other, or oppose each other, or you can't do those two things. But like, what's the balance for those two things? Yeah, and I, I'm going to answer that question because this is a really, you know, I'm excited to talk about this. I get really fired up. Uh, I do want to say something on uh, um, what you just noted, which is, you know, when I first started coaching, you know, you want to coach. I didn't, I wasn't one of these guys that knew like, oh, since I was 15, I wanted to coach. I was offered the job my senior year playing college ball by my head coach. And I sat on it for a couple months and I, I did it because I love basketball and I love competing. And then you realize the impact you can have on people. And then when you become a parent, I think it intensifies your level of understanding of how a coach can make an impact on somebody's life. And you might be coaching a kid with two parents, one parent, no parent from, you know, affluent at home to a, you know, drug infested home. Right. And so, you know, the power of a coach. So I do want to say that, that all everything I'm about to share comes from a place of my experience. Right. I just am sharing what I've learned up to this point. So to answer your question, and this is a really important one, I've gotten better at how I articulate. Here's what I would say. And I'm coaching my sixth grade and fifth grade son right now as well. This is how I answer it. And we approach it as as me coaching their team with all of their parents and of the, these kids is we are in the business of developing and we're also interested in winning. We want both, but we will not let winning get in the way of development. And like you said, it's not mutually exclusive. What that means is this. We're going to do things in practice that play the long game, that get kids better. 
and maybe as or more importantly that they have fun they come to our practices and they have fun because if they don't have fun they don't want to come back if they don't come back they can't get better so kids better be having fun now when i walk into my 17 u practice or if i got back into college coaching my number one focus just being real with you is not how can i make practice fun today now i think if they like basketball i think they'll have fun in our practice because we're going to do a lot of competing and we're going to get better so I think kids that love it like our practices. But when I walk into my fifth grade or my sixth grade practice tonight, I do want to design a practice where they have fun, which means a lot of games, one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, five-on-five, and drills supplement that. Not drill, 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 throw them a little five-minute one-on-one game, and then drill, drill, drill. Like kids, like they're not going to have fun. So I want them to have fun because if they have fun, they want to come back. If they're more having more fun, they're more engaged. If they're more engaged, they're more focused. If they're more focused, they're going to get better quicker. And when they get better, guess what? They start having fun. Like when we're good at something, we usually have fun. So I want kids – my wife sent me this quote the other day, Tony, and it was perfect. It said, you, if you coach 10U basketball, you winning a championship is not deemed successful. Mm-hmm. What would be a successful season is if all your 10U roster signed up for 11U. Mm. So back to the winning. But if we're going to keep score, Tony, and, and even in fifth grade or fourth grade, let, let's teach kids how to to go win, to, to compete to win. It's okay. Like if, the, if I got kids in my driveway every day playing different games, basketball, dodgeball, something, and they keep score they, without a parent around, like kids – they play video games. There's a winner and a loser. And, and so that's a part of it. I, I used to probably go so far into development. I think a lot of parents thought, well, Sam doesn't care about winning. And I did a poor job messaging. So I've learned how to communicate it better. So here's what we wouldn't do. And we do not do. We're not going to play a two, three zone to win because guess what? Fifth graders and sixth graders can't even get the ball up to a 10 foot basket without throwing it and they can't shoot. They haven't been alive long enough to be good shooters. We could win more games. And quite frankly, we lose games right now to some zones who, who do a good job and we, we don't hit shots. Um, but my kids, when they step into high school, they'll know how to jump out and hedge on a ball screen. They'll know how to play. My big guy won't be standing in the middle of a zone with his hands out for five straight years and not know how to play the game. Our kids will be prepared for middle school. They'll be prepared for high school. Uh, and they're going to be better served. And we might sacrifice the fifth grade championship. We also won't give the best player on the team a ball screen every time and everybody else stand and watch and pin shoot. And do you think other kids have fun? No, but guess what? We want. And everybody puts a ring on their finger, puts a trope. Like, who's winning? And so it's a long game development, and you got to get parents to buy into that too. I could say more, but I know I just rattled off a ton of stuff. Uh, you also watch a lot of games, and this may be the same answer, but what is lacking? Is is it that? I mean, you watch a lot of high school games as well, but, like, are there things that we as coaches could be doing better, whether that's communicating to the players or focusing more on games or development or what's missing as you watch different teams? Oh, wow, that could spider web out to a lot of things. Um one thing that's missing is everything I just said. Like, And I used to probably have a lot of judgment on other youth coaches. When I first entered, it was like easy for me to critique them and say, oh, that coach is all about winning. They just play. 
no, you know, the youth coach who I coach against in fifth grade, it's a dad who is in sales and highly competitive and guess what he wants to win. And he, he doesn't spend every day, all day, the last 20 years like me becoming a good basketball coach. That's what I've devoted my life to. So I know how to teach a man to man. I know how to teach help the helper. I know how to teach, you know, play in the gap and close out. And he may not know that not because that's not what he does. He's, he's volunteering his time for free and pouring into kids. And so they just don't know. So we have to do a better job in American basketball with, from a league organization standpoint, like whoever runs a league to high school coaches, to the coaches in the know, like let's coach and train the younger coach. Let's help the dads out and help them understand, um, you know, how to develop players if they're going to be spending their time. And, and then leagues, you know, if I have the courage to do this one day and stop talking about it and be about it, I'll start a league where there's limitations where, you know, like, you have to play man for minimum two quarters. Maybe you have to play man for the whole game. You know, three-on-three leagues. We do three-on-three FIBA leagues here in Atlanta with BCB, and we're fixing – I mean, people, kids love them, and I think that's a great development tool. I think back to your question too, Tony, and, you know, interested to hear your thoughts too, but I think I was just on the phone with a, with a parent slash coach before me and you jumped on, and they were having trouble with their – with the high school coach and there's, I think coaches miss this. They miss how to communicate with parents and parents are spending the time at the dinner table and on the car rides with the kids. And you as a coach may be building culture 12 months of the year. And in that 15 minute car ride, that 30 minute dinner conversation, a parent can completely destroy the culture you're building and so you might as well communicate with them and, and aim to get everybody on the same page because it should be about the young girl or the young kid having the best experience. No, I, I wanted, again, a perspective of not just somebody who has coached, but also somebody who has worked with players, interacted with players and, and watches other coaches. And that's something that you were just talking about that I talked to a group of coaches about yesterday. We need to be all in this together. And that can sometimes be difficult because coaches already feel like they're so thin on time that I don't have time to have another meeting with somebody else. But if you're proactive, even before a season starts and communicating to parents, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is what we want out of this. This is what we expect from you. I think the big word is expectation. The older I get, everybody walks into a situation, whether they're walking into a team situation, a classroom, anywhere. And they have expectation, expectations, and when those expectations aren't met, then they're mad or frustrated or whatever. But if they would have known at the very beginning, this is where we're wanting to go. This is how I need you to help me along with that process. And it really goes like it's a great segue into something else I wanted to ask you. I, I was talking this week with one of my classes about organizations and common characteristics of successful organizations and successful leaders. And it doesn't matter what kind of – business sports teams the common characteristic is there's a clear vision there's a clear mission and there's core values that that guide that organization i know we put a lot of things on t-shirts but just because it's on a t-shirt doesn't mean we actually live by it or that we follow through with it is it maybe that that is something that is going without that we're not not doing that we should be should be doing with our sports teams oh yeah i think that's missed 
a lot, if not more, it's missed more than it's actually hit. You know, I think it misses more than it hits. And yeah, the t-shirt or the slogans in the locker room and all that, which I think are important. I think messaging matters. And I think, you know, I don't know this for a fact. I want to say like the Patriots have their do your job or fill your role, whatever their mantra. But I would say they probably live it out, but it's probably peppered throughout their facilities and I think consistent messaging helps as long as it's lived out by the coach. Because, you know, like there was this coach, there's a few years back who brought in somebody to be a consultant with their team. And the consultant's sitting there in the office and they're talking about the team. It's all the coaches, right? And this consultant, they're like, gosh, you know, our guys just don't, they don't pay attention to detail. They don't show up and, and ready to go. And, you know, they're, they're just complaining, right? You've been in that those offices where the coaches just get on a complain mode. Well, the guy's just listening the whole time. Then they walk out on the practice floor, Tony, and the players start walking out to practice before. And, like, three or four guys walked out without their jerseys tucked in. And one of the assistants is like, see what I'm saying? You know, they're supposed to have their jersey tucked in. And he turns to him, he goes, you mind if I share something? And the coach goes, yeah, sure. And he goes, um, they're supposed to have their jersey tucked in, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, we've been talking about it all. He said, well, look at your shirt and look at the other coaches. Y'all don't have your shirts tucked in. You're expecting them to do something you don't even do. The point being, character's better caught than taught. But coaches don't, to your point, they don't, they don't identify, they don't state the vision, then the cl- clarity and roles and expectations and then when you don't have, when you don't know your expectations, everybody just left to their own devices, and that's when you have dissension. That's when you have a breakdown in culture, and and sometimes this happens, Tony. Coaches give a preseason parent meeting, and they think everything's smooth sailing. After no, you've got to consistently communicate and recommunicate and recommunicate. Sending out a weekly email, sending out, you know, in today's world, social media, messaging it out. I did this with my team recently. We had been practicing. It was going into our first game uh, into practice said, Hey guys, what do you think we as coaches care a lot about? What do you think is really important to us? Cause I knew what I wanted them to say. I knew what I thought we had been messaging, but not until you hear it from your players, will you really know if what you intend to happen is really happening? So, when they started saying, well, you ex- y'all expect us to give maximum effort. I was like, man, I'm nodding my head. I'm like, yep, you're right. They said, you know, being a great teammate matters a lot. I'm like, yes, yes. Like checking off the, and like they went down, hey, being coachable and listening when a coach is talking to you. Yeah. They, and it, and that was a sign to me we're headed in the right direction. If they had given 15 different answers, we probably weren't heading in the right direction. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist 
That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. When I ask most coaches, especially as the off-season approaches and the summer months approach, where are we going to improve or how, how am I going to improve or this player needs to improve in this area? I think our first thoughts go to things like passing, dribbling, shooting, decision-making, that sort of thing. But I also know that coaches value the intangibles. PGC in particular does a great job in, in focusing on those intangibles. What do you have for ideas for a coach who the kid doesn't go to a PGC camp, but you know, for working with his team, what are some ways to develop the things that we call those intangibles? How, how can they develop those within their own program? There's a lot of tangible ways I can give. So let me first speak. I want to speak to what you said about culture. You know, I would define culture as just how you do anything. Like you have a culture in your locker room. You have a culture in how you travel as a team. There's a culture in how you treat each other. Like there's, you know, how you run your offense, how you practice. Like those are, it's basically just how you do anything. Your culture is lived out in all those areas. It's not in a neat little box, I don't think. And and lastly, sometimes we say, man, that program has great culture. And the, I think a misconception and a myth is, that it's a perfect culture. And here's what I, and I'm going to steal from TJ on this from one of our PGC coaching clinics is a really good culture is like a really good, well-functioning family. And what does a well-functioning family have? It has great trust. It has great togetherness. It has a lot of good times. You might laugh a lot. You might have amazing memories. And you know what else you have? Yeah. Perfect people. Yeah. Yeah. Imper- you have uh, frustration. You have people get angry. You have people uh, say things that are hurtful. You have people that uh, fall short of their own commitments. We need to break down the myth of great culture is perfect and it's not. And it's okay that you have tension. Matter of fact, it's not even that you have it. It's great cultures can work through it. And they, they have the ability to withstand the tension. A great bond is really measured by the tension it's capable of withholding. Bad cultures break apart quickly when, you know, stuff hits the fan. So that being said, let me segue into the, the intangibles. Let's first define what, what is intangibles. Like, how would you define it? Not the physical skills. I mean, things like we talk about the the sports builds character stuff, like he works hard. He's got great attitude. He's got great effort. We do this a lot with all the teams that I coach, you know, and there's a lot of syn- synergy between PGC, the stuff I do with PGC and what we do in BCB. And, you know, like any good coach, you steal a lot of good things that you see, right? The first thing that you do is you define it. So an intangible for us would be being a great teammate. Well, let's define what. And so we'll do this with our team. And, and I think I ask this probably weekly, if not daily, with the teams that I coach. What would being a great teammate do today? Like, what does that look like? A great teammate would sprint back in transition on defense. A great teammate would encourage you after you miss three straight shots. A great teammate would come up behind you after the coach just, you know, got into one of your teammates and, and challenged them and, and was pretty hard on them. They'd come up behind them and, and slap them on the back and say, Hey, I got your back. We're good. Let's go. Let's go. You know, a great teammate would text a teammate uh, if they lost a loved one or if they're going, the parents are going through a divorce or they might take a teammate out to lunch. 
great teammate is defined inside of practice in a game outside, right? So we define it first because most time we start saying, let's be great teammates. But how many coaches really define it, Tony? Yeah. I mean, how many do you think out of 10 coaches that talk about how many define it? I think most of them, it's like good offense. Everybody knows knows it when they see it, but being able to like teach it or define it, they probably have a hard time putting it into words. Yes. So once we define it, how do we bring it to life? And my perception or perspective would be the way we bring it to life is we celebrate it. So when it happens, we celebrate it, we highlight it, we take time to, to let it marinate. And who usually gets all the recognition on a team in social media world, the, the top score? Well, I'm coaching my sixth grade team right now, and I spend a lot of time celebrating the bottom six players. We carry 16, and six of them are developmental players that are just there for practice, and they play in some games. But they come to every game, Tony, and they are amazing cheerleaders and teammates. We spend a lot of time celebrating those guys and reinforcing, hey, man, and and, and even bring, I'll bring out a kid and say, hey, Chris, you might be the best teammate on this team. And because of that, I know you're going to be whatever you choose to do in life. And these are sixth graders. I know you're going to be a heck of a successful person. Maybe they're in an organization, whatever they do in life, rather when they're a husband, something like, so we really celebrate. And then when we fall short of being a great teammate, we coach it and we critique it and we correct it. And most of the time it's done in a patient, calm, teachable moment. And sometimes it, it and this is my perspective, sometimes it's done in a more intense, um, passionate way. And that's the art of coaching. Another intangible would be how you bring effort, right? How you compete. We talk a lot about playing hard and competing, but we don't, I'm going to go back. This is going to sound like a broken record. Let's define what it, you know, what is competing? I love this. I actually called one of my coaching friends this morning because I had this new thought on competing and how to articulate it. And I, and I wanted to work through it with them in, in real time. So maybe I'll do it right now. I think there's different levels of competitor. There's the competitor who competes for themselves. They're going to, somebody's going to watch the game from the stands like, golly, Tony Miller, that dude plays hard. Look how passionate he is. I'm hesitant to even say an NBA player. Um, maybe an NBA player watch this, but because I don't know this player, but there's, there's certain NBA players right now who I hear commentators talk about their passion. And they'll dunk on somebody and they'll mean mug and they'll and they'll flex and they'll be like, what a competitor. And I'm like, really? Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe they just dunked on them and flex. That doesn't mean they're a great competitor. That could have been the same guy that was out till Friday, uh, last night till 3 a.m. in the club and could have been getting his body ready. Whereas, you see what I'm saying? Like, so who are they really competing for? Then there's the competitor who I would say the ultimate competitor is somebody who competes with good sleep habits, good nutrition habits, gets in the weight room. They prepare their body year round to go be the best player they can be for their team because they want to pursue a, a common goal of winning a championship. That would be a Tom Brady. I'm watching the man in arena right now. Like 
seeing what that guy does. And I have one thing that just keeps on coming out. And again, I know it's positioned to make him look really good. So I get that. And he, but it looks to me and it appears that his teammates love him. They love playing with this guy. So there's like the, the competitor for themselves, Tony, there's the competitor for the team. There's the fake competitor that, you know, does things that look like they're competing, but they're really not. So we have to define it again. I think it's important to define it as, and it's, that, that's hard to define. I, mm-hmm. I've had a hard, I've been spending 10 years trying to figure out how to, to define competing, but we have to define it. Uh, we have to measure it. We have to celebrate it and we have to correct it. And I hope coaches understand like this is, this is what we were talking about at the beginning where you're, you're in charge of more than just their physical development. They need to be taught how to compete. They need to be taught how to compete for their team, for other people, not just for themselves. Because the question that I get, I'm flooded right now this time of year with, will you recruit this kid either by the player or by the coach? The first thing that they send me are the things about stats. And the stats are great, but as you well know, I'm putting together a team. I'm not putting together a group of players that just gets good stats. And so I want to hear about the intangibles. But if they don't even know what matters to winning, and I think those intangibles can be as important as the as the other stats, then they need to be able to communicate those things to their players. You guys do a lot with this kind of thing at your PGC camps and also there at Blue Collar Basketball. And I want people, especially those that are down here in the southeast, to be aware of the offerings that are coming up here this summer and then maybe even this fall because there are some things that are done for the coaches as well. And you've also talked about the formerly known as Key 5 stuff. But can you just kind of talk about the different things and maybe just a quick blurb about each of them so that maybe they have a better idea of what's uh, what's included in each of those offerings? Sure. If you're a coach or a parent or a player watching this and you're looking for a summer camp experience, what, and typically at PGC, it might be seventh grade to college. So we have anything and everything in between. We'll have division one college players that come to your kind of new to basketball seventh grade player. And so if you're looking for and you're serious, I should say keyword, if you're really serious about your development, go to a PGC camp. It's a five day experience. It's a full immersion transformational experience. But if you don't love it i'd say don't don't do that don't go to pgc if you're looking to just go kind of play some games for a couple hours a day go to the local university you know camp and play some hot or sorry hot shot or gotcha kick knockout whatever whatever like that's not going to happen at pgc at pgc it's going to be classroom you're going to watch film you're going to go on court and do it you're going to do it from early in the morning till late at night and it's a it's a fun experience, and my my I've been, I'm glad my own son has been to one. So if you're looking for that, I go to one of our summer camps. If that's you know we have coaches too, Tony. I don't know if you ever been to one of our. If not, we need to get you out to one. Um, but we have a lot of coaches. We have hundreds, if maybe not over a thousand coaches every summer that come as like their professional development opportunity because you get to see drills, you get to see progressions. You get we do some like you know. X and O chalk talk at night in the dorms with coaches. And we have a great staff of directors that are high level people to your back to your theme. Like they're just high level people and really good basketball minds. So yeah, they're looking for that. Do that with our PGC coaching. We put on clinics. Tony will be, 
later this June, we're actually going to be in Phoenix. And then in the fall, we'll be at our usual locations in Chicago, Atlanta, Dallas, probably on the West Coast. So if you're looking for that as a coach, we'd love to have you join us. Any, anybody in Atlanta, just hit me up if you're looking for BCB opportunities. That's Coach Sam Allen of Blue Collar Basketball, PGC, and the Hardwood Hustle. Coach, thanks again for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. Thank you.